0: Reproductive health care resources are still available in the right places for Hoosiers in need, despite the current instability as Indiana legislature became the first in the nation to pass an abortion ban, responsive to the Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade this past June. Simone Bailey, an 18-year-old first-year student at community college and a secret relationship which had grown unhealthy, struggled to afford a $15 pregnancy test. When she turned the test stick over and the small digital screen read pregnant, she was immediately struck with fear. Bailey knew she did not have the resources to carry through with the pregnancy, nor did she want to carry the child of her covert partner. While the process to abortion was lengthy and traumatic, she wouldn't have had access to the procedure if it weren't for the landmark Supreme Court decision, Roe v. Wade, which protected the right to an abortion for Americans. Bailey shared her story with the Indy Star after Roe v. Wade was overturned June 24, 2022. Roe v. Wade was a landmark Supreme Court decision in 1973 recognizing that the decision whether to continue or end a pregnancy belongs to the individual and also served as a legal precedent recognizing the right to privacy protected in the 14th Amendment. In response to the Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade, Indiana became the first state legislature to pass an abortion ban in the United States, Senate Bill 1. Owen County Judge Kelsey Hanlon issued a preliminary injunction against the ban, regaining temporary access to abortion in the state as Indiana courts mitigate two lawsuits filed against them by the American Civil Liberties Union, ACLU, Indiana. Jennifer Ann Droback is a law professor at Indiana University, Purdue University, Indianapolis, specializing in family, juvenile, and sexual harassment law. She explains the arguments the ACLU is taking in their two lawsuits. From the 14th Amendment
1: Equal Protection Clause in the United States Constitution, arguing that men have unfettered access to appropriate medical care and women do not, that men have a right to bodily autonomy and now women of childbearing years do not so this is an equal protection argument it's also they would argue a bodily autonomy issue that you just you have a right to bodily autonomy and SB1 ignores that they've also made an argument for a first amendment argument a freedom of religion argument that is Indiana in its SB1 defined human life as beginning at fertilization and not all religions that's a very Christian perspective, particularly Catholic right. not all religions I mean Muslims do not define life they, they define human life at live birth personhood begins with live birth in in the Jewish tradition live birth. And in some Mm -hmm. conservative Jewish traditions, it's with the naming ceremony at at 120 days after birth.
0: The arguments made by the ACLU is that Senate Bill 1 is in violation of the 14th, 1st, and 9th Amendments. The rejection of Roe v. Wade, the passing of Senate Bill 1, and the ignorance of the constitutional amendments could impact more than just reproductive health care access.
1: Right. So the majority decision in Dobbs said, no, no, no there is no right of privacy in the constitution to abortion because the word abortion is not in the constitution. Well, neither Mm -hmm. is the word marriage and neither is any discussion of having children. So the right to procreate is not in the constitution. And it's the right to travel is not in the constitution. You have to go back to the articles of confederation to find any right to travel. So the Constitution is a brilliant and short document. And and the Ninth Amendment, are you familiar with the Ninth Amendment? I have my handy-dandy Constitution right here. And the Ninth Amendment, and if there's no substantive due process liberty, then number one, you don't have a right to contraception. You don't have a right to get married. You do not have a right to procreate. Oh, by the way, you don't have a right to raise control and nurture your own children.
0: State Senator Shelley Yoder represents all citizens of Indiana's 40th district, encompassing the majority of Monroe County and the Indiana University Bloomington campus. The assistant minority leader was in the state building during the passing of Senate Bill 1. She spoke with WFHB about her experience in the Indiana Congress.
2: For many Hoosiers, it was traumatic and to see the hundreds day after day to turn out in opposition of Senate Bill 1 and to have the courage to stand up and share the most intimate of details and parts of someone's personal life and story in front of people who may or may not care, took such courage. It was humbling. It was, for me, a sacred space because these are stories that people probably thought they would never have to share publicly, and yet people did. Because when people feel desperate, they do desperate things, and people felt desperate. When your freedoms are being taken away from you, you feel desperate. And what we felt and saw and witnessed during the special session was heartbreaking and humbling. And it should have been a wake-up call that Hoosiers did not want Senate Bill 1.
0: For Senator Yoder, the heartbreak wasn't only the day of the bill's passing on July 30th. It was for all Indiana women and Hoosiers capable of pregnancy from that day forward.
2: Heartbreak, traumatized, fear. Fear that access to care has now been eliminated, traumatized that people no longer have the ability to determine their own futures, traumatized that they are not seen by the supermajority in Indiana as full people, deserving of their full humanity and dignity to be able to determine their own futures and access the care that they need uh, when they need it. And heartbroken that for, a, for 15 years, uh, women have been able to receive care that they need uh, as a result of the many reasons, I think this is what became so clear: is access to abortion care covers so much, but at the end of the day, the person who should be deciding is the woman and her healthcare provider, and those are very difficult, painful, complicated conversations to have. And state legislators, the supermajority the Republicans interjected themselves and said, we don't trust you to make that decision. We believe we have the answers and the right to be able to say what you can and cannot do with your body.
0: While litigation of the ACLU lawsuits are still moving through the courts, Hoosiers still have access to reproductive health care. Local governments in the area are providing ways to make that access less challenging for those in need. Thursday, October 27th, the City of Bloomington announced it will release $200,000 in emergency reproductive health care grants in response to the legal action of the state. Beverly Callender Anderson, the Director of Community and Family Resources for the City of Bloomington, explains how the city is doing its best to provide where they can. And while the grant money doesn't pay for abortions directly, it can cover a wide range of cost factors such as educational literature, transportation, and post-op exams. in grants have been allotted for the current fiscal year and $100,000 for the next. For more information, contact Beverly Calendar Anderson at andersb at bloomington.in.gov. The Bloomington Planned Parenthood office is located at 421 South College Avenue and can be contacted at 317-205-8088. Hoosiers, make sure to get out to vote and educate yourself and others. In the words of Professor Jennifer Androback, roll up your
1: sleeves. <laughs> Let's
0: get busy. For WFHB, I'm Grace Romine.